0: Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse.
1: Today on tap, we have Reminiscence starring Hugh Jackman, Rebecca Ferguson, Andy Newton and Cliff Curtis. Written and directed by Lisa Joy. Welcome back to Rice Mile Films. It's time to dabble in some more 2021 film releases. And this one's coming to us uh, from HBO Max, but also from the studio Warner Brothers. They're the gift that keeps on giving all year long uh, in mediocrity, may we say. Yeah. We'll, be, we'll we'll pass our verdict later on today. Yeah. But this was kind of one I was excited about when the trailer came out. I instantly I either sent it to you or text you. And I was like, you got to go watch this thing. Mm-hmm. Because it like checks a lot of the boxes, noirish vibes and sci-fi, and the whole kind of like job orientation that they have in here, and we'll get into all of that and how it's there and not there at the same time. But I thought this was kind of a big movie for us to to at least tackle and try and cover.
0: When you sent me the trailer, that's how I did become aware of this. Uh, I think you said this is right up your alley mm-hmm. per look, and you were right. It it is. Add Ferguson to that, and mm-hmm. um, we know that I'm a big fan of hers. Yeah. And Hugh Jackman, too, for entirely different reasons. I like him a lot when I like him. Mm -hmm. There's Hugh Jackman stuff that I don't like, but when he's good. Anyway, it looked like there was a tremendous amount of potential in there. Add to it. Maybe this is the Hail Mary that's caught in the end zone and film noir is rescued. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah.
1: We'll decide at the end. <laughs> yeah, we will. Excellent. Well, to start us off, um, some Black Maple Hill. We uh, opened this up a couple weeks ago. This is the limited edition. This is Oregon straight bourbon whiskey. Mm-hmm. I I really like this.
0: So we, do I. we might want
1: to kind of dabble into this label a few more times. Mm-hmm. Mm. What are you getting off of that?
0: I get that vanilla on the front, and then a little leathery pepper on the back. Yeah. I get all leather. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. You know no, what I mean? Right. I wonder sometimes. When we start breaking these things down, and mm-hmm. there's people that are not bourbon savvy, Ugh, I hate that. We are, but I'm like we are. We're sure, not. Sure. Yeah. If they say pancake batter, yeah, leather, cinnamon. Who the <laughs> hell wants to drink leather?
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you just don't know. You got to just like to me.
0: What's helped out a lot is the 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 nosing of it and what you smell, and then that yeah. really helps the taste. There's a piece in there where. Mm-hmm the flavors that you tie to certain things, I think make the bourbon good for nostalgic reasons.
1: We've certainly grown up too in our time together. You know, we used to just a Jack and Coke mix it before we ride. And you know, th- those are pretty good. Yeah, they were. Uh, and we've definitely graduated throughout the years. So
0: I remember stepping up our game a little bit to Gentleman Jack. <laughs> we have a hard time even just drinking that straight right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I'll take a gentleman Jack in a mix. But, sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, right audience. There's a lot going on on Patreon right now. We uh, just did true romance, which Matt said it was a huge admission. And I'm only going to mention this. You got to go sign up and download. If you want to listen to that episode, he said it was the best rewatch he's had since possessor. So yeah. Uh yeah, that, that's awesome. So That movie
0: slammed it for me. Mm-hmm.
1: That's on HBO Max right now, but go sign up for that. And we just announced our slate for September. September is going to rock, uh, and we're going to be getting into uh, another TV show breakdown. Uh, Titans, also on HBO Max.
0: I haven't dabbled into that, so I'm really looking forward to the surprises that's going to unveil. So let me ask or post something to you about Titans. Sure. Uh, we are well into second season, and I'm watching this with my way too young-to-be-watching-it daughter. Mm-hmm. So I'll let her do a little bit of language, but sure. some of the sex stuff she's got to not watch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hand over eyes. Yeah. We need to do all of season one mm-hmm. and the first episode of season two in order to really complete the first season. Okay, okay? so yeah, no whatever run that is, we're going to go one through 2.1 two point well said there you go okay um i hadn't thought we just finished season one okay this week but we got to finish up with episode one of season two to really complete it's in that i can't wait to talk to you about this okay i'm gonna rewatch the whole thing again okay the pacing and who you think is going to be this role in the series versus who ends up being this role in the series is very Mm. very unlike anything i've ever seen on television oh nice ever okay yeah. Oh, that's that's quite a statement coming from you. Well, so, you're looking for the big bad, right? Yeah. Just wait time. till we have this conversation. Okay.
1: Oh, that's gonna be great. So yeah, Patreon's cooking right now. Uh hit up any of the socials. Those are always very active, or RiceMileproductions at gmail.com. But Matt, are you ready to dive into some reminiscence? Put me to sleep, baby. <laughs> don't put you to sleep. Here we go. Alrighty, righty. So you mentioned it already, reminiscent Stars 1, Mr. Hugh Jackman. And we've done one of his films before, Prisoners, on here. Uh, so um, I think we're fans of the guy. Mm-hmm. I think we like when he shows up. And he's a very welcome presence. I certainly like that he was in this uh, at, uh, at times. I could at least put my focus on something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, top three favorite Hugh Jackman films. So not roles because, you know, whatever X-Men movie that I'm sure you're going to put on your list possibly could be one of eight times he's played the character. So, yeah. Uh, Top
0: three. Let's do number three first. Roles. Yeah. It has to be Wolverine. Oh, I meant movies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can do either or. Yeah, go ahead. Movies. Number three for me is Days of Future Past. Mm. Uh, It took him for me a little while, and I mean a very short little while to get that character figured out. Mm -hmm. But... It's such an iconic look with him as it. He is perfectly cast. And when he was originally found, he essentially was an Australian Broadway performer mm-hmm. that was able to play one of the most testosterone-induced crazy characters ever in that first X-Men Man, film. He
1: wasn't even the guy that was picked. He, no. He was a replacement. Right. Yeah. Doughery Scott had Whoops. Uh, reshoots on Mission Impossible too. Whoops. It wouldn't have worked with him, though. No. No way.
0: Sometimes it works out for the best, doesn't Mm it? Uh, I really like that X-Men film. I don't love all of his Wolverine stuff. That's not for this discussion, but I really do like that. I think he showcases his chops really well in that film. And this keeps coming up, Mm -hmm. right? And it's how do you not upstage the other people that you're on screen with, especially when you are looking... Like most of the heroes in a superhero film mm-hmm. do, but he doesn't really do that. Yeah, except when it's him by himself and the focus is supposed to be on him, mm-hmm. and then we're okay with it. So there you go. That's my number three. What's your number three? Good choice.
1: I really, I really Thank like you. that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three for me. I, I mentioned it a second ago. We covered it. It's prisoners. Uh, what a interesting turn for him to take. You know, we're used to kind of seeing him a little bit on the nicer side, or Wolverine kind of walks the line, uh, but seeing him in that film and th- it's the moment too, when he's hammering the sink and he's like looking for it. Oh, ant- it's man. just so brutal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've never seen this Hugh Jackman before, but I'm kind of digging it. Uh, the journey he goes through and I won't go into too much. Uh, go download that episode. If you want to uh, hear, hear our take on it, but he's incredible in that. So that's my number three.
0: Good choice. Yeah. Number two. Greatest showman. Excellent. How about shocking? Yeah, huh? There you go. I'm naming a musical. With Rebecca Ferguson. (laughs) You just took the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) Uh, They have terrific chemistry in that movie. They should not be together. He's essentially having an affair. Mm -hmm. Um, For all of the things that I hated, that I will never want to watch again in Les Miserables and that version of musical. Yeah, no way. This didn't do any of those things. Mm -hmm. P.T. Barnum is a really interesting character cover. He does him very well. And I think... As strange as the sounds, and I don't know much about musicals, so mm-hmm. pardon me from saying this, yeah. but what I, the little bit that I do know, his vocal stylings are such that it really does work well with what I think that character should be. Mm-hmm. And he plays so well off Efron and Ferguson yeah. that that's my number two. Excellent choice. That's actually a musical, mm-hmm. but when it's on, I'll rewatch that over and over. In looking for this, uh, just kind
1: of looking at his filmography on Wikipedia, there was a kind of an anecdote there next to Greatest Showman. It said it's the most downloaded film in the United Kingdom of all time.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. So can I throw out another thing about that movie? That's not him, but Mm -hmm. that has my favorite show tune song ever in it. That Ferguson song, Mm -hmm. which actually isn't her. So the story on that is really interesting too. So Ferguson... Um, you know, I'm talking about that really haunting, Mm -hmm. um, I'll look up the name here in just a minute bit that she sings initially was her. Yeah. She couldn't quite deliver it. Okay. So they actually got one of the contestants on American Idol at the time to cover that song Mm -hmm. for her. Interesting. So Ferguson can actually sing a little bit, but, uh, it's not her in that that's not her, her voice. Although she can't sing, they wanted something a little bit more robust. It's
1: so funny you bring up that because something I rewatched during this last week was singing in the rain. And the whole, there's a whole plot point element in there of Debbie Reynolds having to sing over the person who can't sing in the talkie musical number. So, oh, yeah. yeah, excellent. Great choice. Thanks. Number two for me, I have to pick a, a Logan Wolverine role. Uh, the one I'm going to pick is actually X2. Interesting kind of thing. So when that film came out uh, a couple months prior to that, I had uh, bought, uh, they did some kind of crazy like deep uh, double dip uh, cash grab DVD release called X-Men 1.5. And mm-hmm. it was the first film with like more features and an inside look at the second one that was coming out in five months. Mm-hmm. So I bought that and I, I always remember it because it had the trailer and some interviews with the cast and crew and they talked to Jackman and, I would never forget what he said that he says the fans always came up to me and they're like, when are we gonna see Wolverine like cut loose? So like he kind of does in the first one, but like not really. And and he says, You get it in this one, mm-hmm. and boy do you. And I really like the interactions between him and William Strike or Brian Cox and that and Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster, essentially. Yeah. But it, that's really Jackman taking the reins of that entire franchise in film too. Like it's like his vehicle with kind of everyone else chasing him really really good. that's it's one of my favorite of all the the x-men ones, but he's particularly good in that because it, it's like his like coming out party
0: <laughs> well said yeah that was just outside my list and could have been on it if we had asked me mm. another time. Ah uh, that song is never enough. That's yeah. the song from showman and it's Lauren L red.
1: okay, excellent.
0: check it out everybody. that's a good listen.
1: It's our number ones
0: you already said it it's prisoners. that's his best movie it's for me. Good, that's his best role. good choice. Uh, it's difficult sometimes isn't it to separate great performance from great film and sometimes that's maybe why each of them are called such Mm -hmm. i love that film and so it's a bit of a tainted analysis of how good his performance is but i'm going to go with it anyway it's a rock solid performance you can see a father who is at the end of whatever sanity he's managed to hang on to through this terrible terrible ordeal Mm -hmm. and the question is What would you go to? Mm -hmm. And we get some real hard answers. How far
1: would you take it? And then Mm -hmm. all the mysteries left with his character at film's end too. So, yep. Go watch Prisoners, everybody. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing?
0: And download that show. Yeah. That was a good episode. Yeah. on go. it. You have homework this weekend, everybody. Prisoners, and then listen to the show my, after this one.
1: My number one, it's his role as Robert Angier. Oh. The film is The Prestige. Yeah. Uh, th- that's one, you know, when we, we've talked about Nolan a lot and done uh, some of his films. Mm-hmm. That one, every time I watch it, it kind of goes up the rankings and like how I kind of look at it. And I was like, that's a pretty good movie in there. And he plays opposite Christian bell really well. But again, another kind of pondering question, how far are you willing to go to best your opponent or to be the man on top? And he goes to the ends of the fucking Nick Tesla Mm -hmm. (laughs) to find a way to be the ultimate Supreme magician. And I just love the wits that him and him play when Christian bells trick his turn is so simple and what he has to go to is science like there's so many questions in that film but he's really good in it and that's my favorite uh, movie that that I've seen him in
0: That'd be a fun breakdown on the show, wouldn't it, to do that movie? It would be. And I don't know what kind of a magic cask we could build because I don't <laughs> want to do Now You Can See Me. But we oh, might. God, no. <laughs> we could do a Nicolas Cage film and that could be the disappearance of any role in Hollywood that mattered, too. That could be one of them. We could find a way to
1: <laughs> brew the prestige because it's him, Michael Caine, of course, uh, Scarlett Johansson, yeah. Andy Circus, Bowie's Tesla. Yeah. That's an interesting film. So that's my number one. Great choice. It, yeah. Love it. We to revisit some of these, too, and just that would be fun to check out the greatest showman again and and just kind of you know go back and and check some of those out even go back and watch prisoners how about we jump in and go watch reminiscence so buckle up everybody it's time for our review breakdown of reminiscence
0: you're going on a journey a journey through memory your destination place and time you've been before to reach in All you have to do is follow my voice. Summer, 13 years ago. You're in the fields behind your father's house.
1: Okay, Matt, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the story? Do you want to start with the concept? Do you want to
0: start with film noir? Let's start there. Okay. Let's go back to Double Indemnity for just a minute.
1: Top shelf film.
0: Top shelf film. (laughs) Great comparison to begin. We laid out in that show a pretty specific hierarchy or agenda that needed to be checked in order to fill our boxes for film noir. And right off the bat, we're going to get three of them. Right off the bat. Okay, so among other things in that were these three essential moments, voiceover or narration. Now, we get it in that moment as he's talking, but that also is preceded by as we over black get some narrative elements from him over and over and over in this. We
1: do that's present, yeah. Number one. Mm -hmm.
0: Number two. Most, if not all of the scenes, are at night or in very darkly lit or heavy shadowed areas. Eh, kind of. <laughs> okay. Number three
1: mm-hmm.
0: characters who seem to have, and especially characters by that, I would mean the protagonist mm-hmm. who has a compromised moral scale. Uh, might I say feet of clay? Yeah. I wouldn't say clay in this because they would turn to mud because everything's wet. So I won't say that. But we get those three things right off the bat, even when the scenes are—I'm going to say—slightly illuminated. And that I'm speaking a bit metaphorically here. Okay. And when I say we're illuminated, what I mean by that is there is still a foreboding tinge or darkness through them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you get a dark film. They're morals, yeah, morals. Yeah, yeah they're morals. Yeah, all over the place. Morally deprived characters, dark setting, and narration. The only thing we're missing is what? I'll give you a hint. It's FF. Yeah, the Femme Fatale. Oh! Yeah. Enter Rebecca Ferguson coming shortly. So let's go. We are in the middle of film noir. Boom. Mm-hmm. We both expected that from the trailer, yes? Absolutely. And then when set in, like, science fiction
1: land, mm-hmm. you kind of get the neo-noir vibe, which is, you know, very Blade Runner-like. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Fight Club has elements of that.
0: I would argue Inception a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. me
1: too. So... Yeah, we're playing with uh, a genre and then a sub-sub-genre mm. that I'm really fond of myself. Mm-hmm. You know, Blade Runner is one of my favorite films of all time. So when you couple that and then let's enter in the the element that I thought was going to super really work for me in this film, which is the invention, the the hook, so to speak, uh, the total recall element. Uh, so let's kind of explain that a, a little bit. Reminiscence I don't even know if it, this, is it given a name? I, I I can't remember, but it's essentially, like, putting, like, these probes on these people. Mm-hmm. They get in, like, a submersion, like, deprivation tank, and they're able to go back and access and play out their, or live their memories. So, not dreams, you know, like, Total Recall or Inception, but, like, go back to their, what they actually lived for. Clues to live out memories, and in that opening scene, it's this guy that just kind of wants to play with his dog, like... Yeah play a game of fetch so you can see how simple it could be or how complex it could be and i like that we like that invention that you know has endless possibilities but i wish this film would have done a lot more as in the corporate side of it like Mm -hmm. the whole money piece of people that are constantly coming back to relive the lovely one that passed or the pet that died and we kind of don't get that once rebecca ferguson enters like the film goes that way yeah and i wish we had kind of Toyed a little bit with, you know, the cost, the monetary cost, the greed element, uh, because it could have made these characters
0: a little bit more morally compromised as well. The monetization of nostalgia that you're talking about mm-hmm. is a great Oh, that,
1: that's the way to say it. Monetization of nostalgia.
0: Yeah, that's a great motto for a corporation that's evil, right? They would kill. They would kill. How
1: many people would want to go back to the eighties to go watch? Star Wars in the theater.
0: (laughs) And we've seen that a little bit. Like you mentioned, recall clearly recall Mm -hmm. works with that. Um, There's an element, although it's not memories, it's dreams and inception.
1: What I like about it is it because recall and inception have infinite possibilities on how you can bend the world to your will. Yeah. This has a set finite boundaries of what's happened. And, and and then we're out of the time travel thing too. We can't alter the memories of the past. We can only go back and experience and take it, Take from it what we will. I love all of that. It's so Mm -hmm. clean and Mm -hmm. neat for Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think it falls flat in this movie.
0: There needs to be, I think, when you put yourself into this machine or this apparatus, a larger problem or whether it be biological or cerebral toll that it takes upon you. Now, they do address that a little bit when essentially you let the person run too hot through the memory, it can essentially melt their brain. Mm -hmm. We get some of that. But for the guy that just shows up and wants to relive playing fetch with his dog, we do get that Jackman and Thandie Newton, right, have created a business that essentially monetizes what people have lost. Their name's Watts. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So these two... Basically spend their days allowing people to come back and pay whatever amount so that they can play catch with, play, you know, fetch with spot or remember, this is where things get interesting, where I might have left something or recount an encounter with a lover. And I think that there is an infinite Mm -hmm. number of possibilities that that can go. And this is what was maddening to me. Mm -hmm. Why in the world? To your opening scene. Yeah. With this apparatus, which is a key component to this movie. Do you start with the guy playing fetch? Like, (laughs) let's slam that thing out of the park. Yeah. I mean, and if this movie is what it's supposed to be, which is this really tragic love story. You and I
1: would have written a scene of, like, some elderly couple, like, having dinner for the last time before, like, her, like, diagnosis or something. You know what I mean? Like, something, like, really wrenching but like built around like love. If this whole thing is built around love and Jackman's obsession with Ferguson, uh, you got to start with something like that. I get it with the dog, but they, they could... You're right. They could have really done better.
0: I get it with the dog too. That guy misses his dog, but that is such a three on a scale that could be turned to 100. Mm-hmm. I, it, it doesn't even have to be tragic. It can be done sweetly and still tear at your heartstrings. I'm thinking back to about time here and Bill Nighy and Dom Hall Gleason and the mm-hmm. final time they get to hang out.
1: Yeah,
0: They're playing... Sticks and stones at the beach, one last time. Yeah. There's any number of ways that you can drag that sentiment out of your audience by watching somebody who is lamenting a loss, relive a remembrance, and that's what this film, to me, was advertised as. Sure. Yeah. I don't want to say unrequited, but I will say breakin' or lost or stolen or adulterated love between two and Jackson in pursuit of Ferguson and what happened to this woman that I was crazy for. And in the pursuit of her, this is just from the trailer, Mm -hmm. what we come to know about the woman that we were wild about that maybe we actually didn't know. And that doesn't play Mm -hmm. with the dude and a stick and his dog. Like I get it, man. I love my dogs too. Yeah, Who doesn't? Mm -hmm. That just doesn't have the same gravity. And I think then, maybe we're onto something that might come up a few more times in this film. For and
1: me. then I think that guy kind of comes back into because don't they go to him to like look up like doesn't Rebecca Ferguson go to him in that like flashback like to like pump information out of him to learn about Jackman like things he likes and stuff like that?
0: Yeah. So yes, um, we'll get to that uh, because I, that's I, another piece of the film that's pretty frustrating to me too. But sure, yes, yeah. Um okay yeah
1: so so we we established kind of what the what the world is and the job and what this involves so i, I like conceptually what that is and i like Thandi Newton here too when mm-hmm. i was watching this i was like you, you know how what i've always wanted i've always wanted to see Thandi Newton in a bond film i thought she'd be so good in it uh, but i like that you know they they do a kind of a poor job of explaining the origins of said technology Uh, I would have liked a little bit more of that, too. And everyone's kind of using it as well. Jackman has his own little side business Mm -hmm. in this dilapidated bank. But the police use it, too, to kind of, like, solve crimes and stuff because they had their own tank that when we get that scene later. So people are using it. uh, But I wanted to know how, why, and where.
0: (laughs) And also what I – yes, me too. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to know is who on earth would want that job. Mm -hmm. Do you want to be the job that the police – Call you up and say, we need you to steal some memories from this dude. You want to be the person that takes money so you can give somebody a fake existence mm. over what they've lost and no longer is there. You're basically existing in either crime which or job? tragedy. Jackman's job. Bannister's job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who wants that job? Has- Unless... Yeah. We get to what we're about to get to. Sure. Let's the see. job offers some benefits, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. What are they, Jesse?
1: The, you can stalk women <laughs> and You go into their apartment and right. see their vibrators
0: under their beds. Is that um, what that was? Or I really did not know. Is that what that was? It really was. Yeah. Oh. It was. And, and he, he Good said, job, May. What,
1: what, did he, what did he say when he says I saw your uh back massager under the thing? And I was like, and she was like, Rice smiles to him, like, okay, like you're just checking me out. Uh but May comes in
0: very film femme fatale looking in a dress a dress <laughs> jesse so film fa- some so film, so femme, femme fatale that it's literally the ankle bracelet on dedrickson or the lipstick across the floor in the postman
1: the keys yeah yeah she comes in to use it for what i think is a pretty interesting purpose to locate where, where did i leave my keys yeah Help me go into the depths of my memory to find that. And in so doing so, Jackman is just smitten. He's just like, oh, my God, who is this person?
0: I want to ask somebody that's not as biased as I am about Mm -hmm. her. Okay. Um, Look, everybody, if you haven't figured it out, she's one of the ten for me of all time. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that is a remarkable creature. Mm -hmm. I love Rebecca Fergus. She is breathtaking to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The fish in my tank stops swimming when she walks in the room. That's how she is. Sure. So I buy her as a femme fatale because I want her to be that Mm because I like that character in women in film. Yeah. Do you buy her anywhere near the same level of possible or capable femme fatale that I see her as? Absolutely. What is it for her that seems to work for you there? I think it's the
1: voice. Sure. I think because it's like slightly because she's British. Yeah. If I'm I'm correct in that, it's the, and then she's tall too. So Mm -hmm. that in the dress with the voice, like she like has a presence, and it's a bit icy, right? A British icy. A bit icy, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so when she enters in, I, I totally buy it. Okay. Like that that's not a, a problem in this film when, when they come in. And then when they couple up and together like that, I don't got a problem with that either. I mean, it works, it's good on screen. And then the film kind of does something a little bit interesting, like we kind of spend a lot of time with them, do 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 and then boom, Jackman gets pulled out of the memory tank and we kind of realize he's been fishing and reliving these memories of this romance. <sighs> I probably skipped over some things. We'll get we'll get back to them. But I thought that was kind of interesting too. It was kind of like we were in the past and then we kind of catch up with him and then we realize something's happened and it's her disappearance is what the thrust of this film is.
0: So maybe I can get us caught up on what maybe was skipped over here with just it was a the brief club's, explanation. the club scene, yeah. So we have the meet cute in film noir, which is, hey, big boy, I need some help. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it is, hey, Hugh Jackman, hey, Bannister, I need some help. I lost my keys. So that allows him, Bannister, access to her memories over what happened over the course of the day in the pursuit of these keys that she has lost. Now, here's what's interesting about this memory idea for me. This works, not to anything on the film, but there were some possibilities in here. When we go into someone's subconscious, whether it's for theft Mm -hmm. or voyeur whatever it might be, mm-hmm. the time element there needs to be represented by some time element here in this existence that you and I know, and they do that really well in mm-hmm. Inception. Yeah, That is completely forgotten in this film. What I'm curious is, can I go in, and in a three-minute session where we're trying to figure out where over the course of this day I have left my keys, mm-hmm. which might be hours of memories... What does that look like in time as I'm underwater asleep in your apparatus? Yeah, they don't
1: explain that at all.
0: This is troubling because you start to lose track of where one thing begins and where one thing ends. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm just stating that. But what the essential pitch from May to Bannister is, is I need you to help me find my keys. And that allows him to see the vibrator Mm -hmm. under the bed. Mm -hmm. Her and her fabulous baker boys, Michelle Pfeiffer's slinky dress. Mm -hmm. God bless her. Yeah what she sings and we come to realize that she is an entertainer and capable in lots of different versions of entertainment yeah i want to ask you a question because i didn't see this okay in any of these appearances where we see her in her memory singing prior to losing the keys on that day Mm -hmm. do we see her with sir john Mm The drug dealer. Yeah, not not in this one. Not yet.
1: Not yet. I'm making sure. Yeah, okay. because I
0: think she's already,
1: she's kicked that prior to this.
0: Okay, so that's what I thought, too. This is mm-hmm. probably what has happened in the last 24 hours. St. John. so I say Sir John? Yeah. Same thing. Sir Duke. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, let's go there. Yeah, let's do <laughs> that. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> All right, yeah. You need a little jazz? Say? I love that song so, so much. So do I. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's some horns in that, if I'm not mistaken. A lot of horns. so I like it. To that, yep. Stevie, God bless you. <laughs> All right. This is where I start to get a little bit fuzzy and I start to struggle. Okay. If she's just lost the keys today, yeah. then how did she get there? And and secondarily, was she just singing prior to arriving or was this from last night? It's starting to become murky to me on where the loss began and where their travel to this place starts
1: yeah i think she did come from Morg. i think that's why she's dressed like that so that there's that question okay. there i think she did lose the keys early but and then we kind of find that that that's it's also bullshit too. it is right so um but this is all prior to like her revelations and stuff so jackson jackman's only living in those memories and then the memories that they make together and then that's not really told to us how long they are together before her inevitable disappearance a month two months
0: we're about maybe... A year? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 16, 17 minutes in. And we're beating this up a little bit, but I have to say, and I stopped it, mm-hmm. because it's at the 33-minute mark when he is commissioned, he being Bannister and and uh, Watts. Mm-hmm. By the police? By the police to look into this mind. So the first okay, 33 that's minutes...
1: instantly when I start getting confused. Okay, right? Yeah.
0: But the first 33 minutes of this tonally and conceptually... I was, like, pretty enthusiastic about what we had in play.
1: You know what I really liked, too? Because, you know, being that, you know, I do take a lot from Blade Runner and this type of concept and this idea, he's essentially playing, like, the Deckard version of, like, instead of killing replicants, he's fishing memories. If you just cursed my
0: girl Rebecca Ferguson <laughs> with the Sean Young, like, no, wait, you're never. in big trouble, buddy. Ne- never, okay. never, never,
1: never. Right. They're not in the same camp.
0: No. Uh, mm-hmm. You're right. Well said. Yes. I want
1: a kind of a unique environment in Los Angeles. 2019 is pretty unique. I thought Miami, yeah. what they did with it was really cool. Agreed. And it's kind of overrun with water. The, you know, the, the oceans kind of overtaken and the buildings are all dilapidated, but not like falling apart. I like that. They had to take like these like dinghies to like get to bars and mm-hmm. stuff because then with the neon, the lighting, and I think the club she sings, that's the coconut club. Yep. That looks so good. That's Film Noir to me. Yeah. It's like neon, dingy yeah. lit, like oranges. And film noir is black and white as we as we like. Mm-hmm. But that worked for me. I thought the world and the the environment like helped. It's the quest and the way we get there is where this is all just gonna fall apart by the seams. So I'm glad you timed it out. So it's minute thirty-three
0: when thirty-three minutes in.
1: Thirty-three minutes in when uh uh Avery Castillo uh Hires Nick and Watts to retrieve the memories from a comatose suspect, a a drug kingpin.
0: And it basically, all that's happened at this point is we've really done a good job baiting the trap in her femme fatale um, snare Mm -hmm. that she hopes to catch him in. He helps her find her keys. Away she goes. They have some of that. How fast was I going? Why didn't you get off your motorcycle and give me a motorcycle ticket? Dietrichson, uh, Walter Neff bit. Not nearly that good. <laughs> a little flirty. Maybe I'll see you around. Winky, winky. And he watches her. as She saunters off, clicking her hips capably and seductively. And that's it. She's gone, except he has a bit of a tie into some of the story on where she might be. So if he really wants to, he can probably track her down. Sure. Okay, so we can see where this is going.
1: But then this thing, then ta- this thing. takes him away from that. But hold
0: on a second. No, it doesn't. It's going to bring her right back. And this is maddening. You know, it's
1: maddening to me, Go. too. I hate the. Destroy Yeah. Well, no, you know, I, I hate plot conveniences. And in a city, so we're in Miami, and then he's also spreading out to New Orleans. Like, so we're talking about millions of people here. Yeah. That this one case that the police want him to investigate is uh, look into St. John. Uh, and the, this drug guy, and we learn about Cliff Curtis's character,
0: uh, Booth. Booth, yeah, I was, that's the uh, first on the show. I remembered the name, and you didn't. I was gonna <laughs> say, I was gonna say, Bo. <laughs> You're right, Booth. Booth. And they're trying to extract these
1: things so they can put a uh, pin on him, uh, put nip this in the butt. And it's in this video that he sees May Rebecca Ferguson uh, sauntering as like a waitress in this other club. And I was like, really, movie? Yeah. Like it had to be so like just like. That he was the guy that got hired for this job. That his uh, disappeared. Was girl, her
0: last name Skywalker?
1: Yeah, might might be uh, Osborne. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that uh, she just happens to be in this film that they're watching. I just I couldn't believe it. I just it, it we didn't need to have this any of this. First of all, and it could have just been Jackman just like doing whatever, he, turning every stone unturned to find his missing love. But here he's been given the 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 easiest clue in the history of clues. It's right out there on a platter in front of him.
0: Sir John, Sir Duke, Saint John, whatever we want to call him today, yeah, is set up to be this big bad that is Saint John. (laughs) I know who the (laughs) cops are investigating. The periphery of the acolytes around him contains one booth, and lo and behold, you better remember this guy. Because he's going to be who this film starts to revolve around. And this is where we start to have a big problem. But hold on, hold on. Yeah. Also, in this investigation into this one guy's mind, where something has gone down and the cops are essentially, without a search warrant, I suppose, stealing this guy's memories to uncover St. John's location and depths of depravity. We see none other than Rebecca Ferguson. Pot, plot contrivance is the biggest understatement we've had since 2021 started. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. Now, as much as that's bullshit, if you want to stick to the film noir premise, fate does have a way of intervening. It has a course set for you that no matter what you do, it's going to get to point B. Yeah. Okay. So maybe. The problem is. I was gonna say if this, ha- if that was the case, cold case it would get solved left and right. Exactly. <laughs> there was a lot of other ways to get what's eventually going to happen, yeah. which I want everyone to know we haven't even remotely touched on what the big overriding Chinatown land baron issue in this <laughs> oh film my is, because that's what <laughs> this film starts to revolve around.
1: You're right. I mean, the guy S- Sylvan.
0: Yes. Who's bought up all the land. So can can I just do this right now? Because I want to blow everybody away if you haven't seen this. Go Despite what Jesse and I have said, <laughs> the largest crime committed in this film is essentially who is going to ascend the throne of daddy's land barren rights in nearly submerged inheritance. Yeah, yes. M- Miami. Who gets the inheritance? And is it going to be the eldest son or the bastard child from dad the land baron's mistress that's what this film is about
1: and this is some and it's somehow tied into may's disappearance as well
0: oh (laughs) just we have (laughs) many questions coming in the next hour (laughs) wait a minute you're
1: you're right you're right it's yeah so
0: when you said this is where i started to get confused at 32 minutes Mm -hmm. or 33 minutes Mm -hmm. same me too yeah what in the world would you lead you to believe that any of that was going to play out to a larger concept that I just told you?
1: Well, I was maybe expecting like some type of corporate influence, you know, I, I like a okay. nefarious corp OCP sure. or Wayland Utani in my sci-fi, so I was kind of okay with that. Okay, but then when it turned into the baby daddy inheritance <laughs> money uh, <laughs> for uh, uh, land in 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 Green Pastureville. Yeah. Uh, I was like, "Well, I was like, what's what's going on here?" And how is this related to the thing? And it is related, which is, I think, even more maddening that they tied that into the disappearance of May.
0: As the cops finish the interrogation of the guy that's on the apparatus to steal whatever information needed from the drug dealer, now our boy Bannister Hugh Jackman is beside himself. Cause wait a second. There's the girl that I'm into, and she was with this drug dealer. Okay, so essentially at this point, we don't care much about what the cops' relationship are going to be with St. John because we're really concerned about, oh, now we need to see Bannister track down May, which he tries. So let's get to that scene.
1: Well, real quick, so what's seen in there is that she's, uh, addicted to a narcotic in this world known as baka,
0: known as baka,
1: <laughs> whatever. Baka, yeah, <laughs> of, they're like little pearls almost, yes, highly addictive, apparently. Yeah, so he's really beside himself that he's like, Oh my god, she had such a second
0: lie. My girl was a drug dealer, drug, drug addict. addict, she was an
1: addict. And yep. then we find out Watts already knew about this, yep, doesn't tell him, but that's going to come back into the fold later. So we're at the second, t- at the first, we're just like, Wait, wait a minute, wait. So he follows this lead to New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. He's gonna go confront Saint Joe. So this is in New Orleans, yeah, and he's in Miami. He took a train, I guess. The they they built a, a train that goes from there to New
0: Orleans. Why wouldn't this just be in Miami? You're just just putting, the same place, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Why are you? That's dumb. Yeah. So he's going. Okay, minor minor problem. Keep he's going, going
1: seven hundred miles this way
0: to question Saint John over. What do you know about May and where might she be?
1: And I like, I like, I kind of liked this scene
0: because okay. this
1: was a very film noir interrogation. I don't care if you beat me up or stick my head in a tank of eels. Uh, I'm not going to talk. I want to know the answers. I want to know where May is. And he learns all these things. And it was kind of an interesting thing. And Watts comes and bails him out shoots up the place and I'm like wait a minute that's kind of cool how do you know how to like kill people so mm-hmm. effectively <laughs> a film just throws it out the window after this um, but I was kind of engaged in that scene it was kind of exciting and I like that interrogation element and then they essentially you know they, they do away with this character but what did you what did you think of this what, what, once we get to this scene here we're, we're in a, in a place now where we're getting more confused but are where is your feelings at this point?
0: So, I have a couple. Can I give them all to you? Absolutely. I watched this film last weekend okay. before we did True Romance for okay. the Patreon. Okay. It was really interesting to me to compare the two because they share some con- some similar concepts. And True. this is the Gary Oldman scene in True Romance when I'm going to go right, oh, it's the, right same, the wrongs it's for the, my woman.
1: That's exactly the scene.
0: If you compare the two
1: Drexel Spivy, yeah.
0: The Drexel Spivvy scene is far superior to this. Here's where things also get really interesting, and it's a bit of a mess. So that scene, this scene isn't bad. Like I'm not, I'm not saying oh, this is a disaster moment in the film. That's coming later for me, man. That's <laughs> buckle up, it's coming later, people. That scene in True Romance is better than this whole movie, right? <laughs> which gets to the second thing. You know what else is better in True Romance than this whole film? The romance. Yep, yep. Because Christian Slater and Arquette, mm-hmm. which are mostly just average-looking people compared to these two beautiful people, though. And I'm not like they. Kristen Slater has a way about him, and so does Arquette. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong; their chemistry is far superior to either of the possibilities that Jackman has. One is May, as forementioned, and the other one is Watts. Mm-hmm. We clearly see that Watts is jealous of May. You can play it off from May's—I'm per- sorry—from Watts's perspective long enough as I'm looking out for my partner because. She's coming into our business, and she's going to wreck this, and this is how I put food on the table, so you can't go down this road.
1: But we find out she doesn't even get paid very well either.
0: <laughs> so then that gets to the second thing, which is she must really have something for Bannister.
1: That's interesting, because I didn't pick up on that, but I can I can see it now, and that's intriguing to me.
0: Who doesn't like a little love triangle in their film noir? Yeah. The good woman and the bad woman. The bad woman's always going to win, and she's going to take you down. Yeah. Okay. Nope. Instead, <laughs> what we get is a shootout, and we almost get Hugh Jackman drowning as he's almost being bitten with electric eels, which I couldn't help but think, would that have that much effect on him? Because isn't he pretty much under electric shock and water all of the time anyway when he's in the apparatus? Yeah, you're you're
1: shocking your brain. I sort
0: of thought, yeah, maybe that's not that big a deal, but I get that he might drown. He is saved by Watts, who capably comes in and destroys everybody, except for... Mm -hmm periphery acolyte in the background cliff curtis mm-hmm. this dude named booth this guy is really important
1: cliff curtis is a little claude rainsey i mean he showed yeah. he shows up we did he was in training day grindhouse right way back when and he just kind of shows up in just random roles and films and he's usually pretty good oh he
0: isn't he is the gangster in training day you're right yeah at the house yeah oh snap right mm-hmm. oh good good catch um <laughs> He was also in Ten Thousand BC, which is a
1: piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> um, isn't he in Planet Terror too? No, that's uh, that's that's uh, yeah, all right. yeah, that's someone else. But that's, he's, he's that's Claude Rains. Yeah, yeah that's literally it's Claude Rains <laughs> every animated corpse. Uh, so we get a nice kind of battle, gun battle thing. So that dissipates. Watts is like, Jack, man, or, or Bannister. Nick Bannister, what are you doing out here? You're, you're going to ruin our business. What is she doing there? Yeah, how did she like, know he was going to New to Orleans? New Orleans? <laughs> and got on the train just behind him. But they go back <laughs> to Miami, and she was like, I got to confess to you. We had like a drunken girls night one time, and we can fish through my memories to see if we can find any clues. And when in those clues, we find that May went and stole some of the files while... The other one was drunk. And we don't we learn that she had like a drinking problem or something? Yes.
0: Oh, my God. Okay, so.
1: <laughs> and that's not even the tip of the iceberg. Wait till what the clue, the file, what they stole takes us down.
0: One thing we did not tell everybody that's going to play into a really important part, and this is not a vote of confidence, is in the other clientele that comes and visits Bannister and Watts, mm-hmm. we meet this young woman named Elsa. Nice. We, we do? Yeah, she shows up. And they live through <laughs> one of her romances with an elder man. Oh, okay. I remember. I remember that. Yes. So it's a bit odd because here's this kind of old guy and this young woman, and she wants to keep going back to that memory and living through it. Everybody, this is the birth or the conception, I suppose, not the birth. The conception of bastard son who might be heir to the land baron's throne, because the man that's being bedded is the land baron. This is the quintessential moment to the big crime in this film. You forgot about it. I forgot to mention it. Yeah, that's a pretty telling moment in and it's the show today, Jesse.
1: Allegedly, it's important in the film too. It should allegedly, be, <laughs> it should be on a pedestal, like. Being, <laughs> allegedly
0: yeah someone said this is important. Well,
1: exactly we'll decide it's important <laughs> but when they so fish good. through watts's memories they they see that she went into the like the vault room and yeah. she knows the vault access because it's a tune that jackman whistles from yeah Whatever. yeah so she's able to break in and she steals this file uh and so they go, and they're like, "Oh my God! We're like, what, 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 did, what did she take? Is anything missing?" And it's yeah, Elsa, uh, Elsa's uh, recording. So yeah, her lover Walter Sil- Sylvan is the mm-hmm. he's the land baron. Yep. So Jackman's like, "Oh goodness! Like, what does this mean?" So <laughs> so then he goes, "Oh my God!" Then he goes to doesn't he go to the the land at this point now mm-hmm. to investigate the wife. Yep. The actual wife, not the lover, right. of, uh, of Sylvan. And, okay, you can explain this character. I'll try, me. yeah. Was she on, like, Ambien or, like, some weird narcotic? Was she on Baca? Because she was just kind of, like, lackadaisical, like, walking around, kind of loopy almost. And I was like, something's not right with that character.
0: <laughs> okay, so I told you that I watched this twice and I had to do a little reading on it. Okay. Somewhere in this film is the part... Where her memory has been damaged through the machine that Jackman owns. Ooh, okay. Did you see that in the film? No, 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 I didn't either no. of the two times I watched it either. It might be in the third time, but I don't know if I can get down that road. So her memory is damaged, and she essentially is one standard deviation away from comatose
1: okay that makes sense now and just
0: kind of a walking vegetable really okay
1: that's 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 what's going on
0: i guess that makes sense except we're forgetting one really big thing we don't see that happen to her yeah that's also important (laughs) allegedly (laughs) allegedly important i did i did forget a scene see
1: i'm kind of just a little bit mixed on the order here so from the stolen files Mm -hmm. nick goes to uh He learns that Elsa was just recently
0: murdered. (laughs) Right.
1: So he goes to... Elsa
0: is the mistress.
1: The mistress, yeah. So he goes there, and then we find out about the son. Yeah. And what happened to the son.
0: He's been kidnapped.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So many things going on here. Murdered, kidnapping...
0: Affairs. Affairs. Memories. Memories. Lost keys.
1: Vegetation. And in between, after that, he learns those. He's like, "Oh my god!" Like this just keeps getting deeper and deeper. And as the an audience, you're like, "I don't think I could be any more confused than I am right now." He's attacked by Booth.
0: So let's streamline this. Let's make this really easy for everybody. Okay, go ahead. Some okay, and there. This is the earlier. I said there's a big, big, big problem in this film. This is that big problem. Okay. Uh, despite the other ones, this is the biggest one. Somewhere, in. The story that has unfolded on the screen before our eyes, we neglected to let anyone know how the eldest legitimate heir to the land baron throne hired Booth to kill Elsa and kill his illegitimate little brother for fear that illegitimate little brother or Elsa would steal his inheritance That is nowhere in this movie. We never get it. That's why I read. This is exactly why I read. Yeah. Nowhere is it ever told where older brother hires. This doesn't make sense. The drug Lord's muscle because you know, on Craigslist, they just take out ads, do you need some evil shit done because when I'm not a drug lord's muscle, I have a few hours to kill people?
1: And wasn't he like an ex-police officer? Yes. <laughs>
0: a, oh, and... That got burned? Let's make him... So? a He Of course, he's a dirty cop because <laughs> it's film noir. Yeah. So the dirty cop who is now taken on the mantle of protecting St. John is hired by the legitimate son of... What's his name? Sylvan. What the hell's his name? The land baron guy? Walter Sylvan. Yeah. Walter Sylvan. Mm-hmm. Walter Sylvan's eldest legitimate son has hired Booth, the dirty cop, who was working as the muscle for the drug lord to kidnap, I assume, and kill his little brother and little brother's baby mama. Yes. What? Yeah. Did you forget 30 pages of the script? And somehow...
1: Booth is like, well, I'm going to use May as the thing that's going to bring it all
0: together to
1: get Jackman to investigate this in the first place. Why well, haven't investigated anything at all? <laughs> so he
0: keeps. So Booth keeps May and a good supply of baca, yeah, so that she will do his bidding. And the bidding is, you need now to infiltrate Jackman and Watts's Bannister and Watts's business. And while you're in there, this is the Inception part. I need you to steal the files that show the conception of illegitimate Sylvan son.
1: What? That way people don't know about it.
0: Right. Okay. But okay. That second part, I guess I buy the big problem is when does the son that's legitimate get to know booth. And there's such an easy out, Jesse, you know what you have to do? All you have to do is in that first interrogation scene, Where they have the guy under, and that's where he sees, oh, my gosh, my girlfriend was a a waitress and addicted to drugs. He's there, too. Yeah. Yeah. The oldest son is there. And then at least we get an introduction to Booth. Booth doesn't know eldest Sylvan's son from A Hole in the Wall, man. And we don't see him until
1: the final scene. For one scene. For one scene at the end.
0: And if you want, you could even then play it out. To where Booth has some tie to the Baron's legitimate wife, and then we get to... No, none of that's there. (laughs) Just through some happenstance that they don't want to bother to tell you on the screen because they might take a two-hour and 10-minute movie and make it two hours and 20 minutes because it's not that big a deal.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) To smooth things out. They just decide... Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just met. So that's a huge... Jesse, I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. Our main bad guy is the legitimate eldest son to the Sylvan Throne. That's who the real bad guy is here. He's the one that's funding this mastermind who mm, lightly crime. Yeah. What the fuck? I know. It's
1: it's very sticky. So in investigating, finding out that Elsa was murdered, they get into a fight, so they meet for the first time. Yeah. That's nothing fatal. Uh, so then the, so he goes... <laughs> That's when he goes to the mansion area where everything's not flooded out, and talks to comatose wife, comatose wife, and in a moment of like clarity, yeah,
0: (laughs) right, exactly, (laughs) she she like reveals they could be over here. This woman who can (laughs) say three things, "I am Groot," is essentially her vernacular is able to say Booth and May might be hiding out at the Blue Note or whatever the hell the name of that place is. So her mind worked well enough to give him... Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Of course that doesn't make sense, and that doesn't go with the consistency of the character as she's been portrayed on screen. How about this, Jesse? If it's a heist movie, which this has kind of now turned into... (laughs) A little bit, yeah. Why doesn't Bannister and Watts... Steal her out of the mansion so they can put her under, and then they can fish through her memories and figure out where those two might be.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. What another thing? I Why ca- didn't
0: you and me write this? Well, we say that a lot lately. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's just it's not that hard.
1: Why didn't I? I kind of was a little upset that you know Watts after that scene when she reveals the drunken girls' night, she kind of disappears from the movie. And I was like, they, they they were working pretty good together, and they just kind of do away with that. And so
0: whatever love triangle you were hoping for is never there. He fires her. Yeah, that's right. Her, her <laughs> reward for saving his life is that Bannister fires her and says, you deserve better than what I can give you here. She comes back when she's like 80 years
1: old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, What do you think about... Okay, so now we have the clue... She really
0: does come back when she's 80 years old, everybody. Jesse's not kidding. You really do get a scene where she comes back. Sorry, go ahead.
1: The clue of where they might be hiding. Cliff and uh, Nick get into a... Crazy bout of fisticuffs. What would you think of this? This was
0: fairly exciting. Cool choreography. The fight was good. Yeah, this works. This fight's an, an entertaining moment.
1: Although, sure. do, although I do have a problem when you do a long tracking shot in a hallway and a character's grasping a hammer, I think of nothing but old boy. So, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> it, it, it was exciting. They're on the roof and like, you know, they're, I, he was like smashing his head into like the, the bulbs on like the neon sign. Uh, that was, I was like, ooh, painful. Mm-hmm. So what that culminates into is, you know, him drowning out uh, Booth, kind of with the piano, but then yeah. Jackman gets drowned out, and then has like a memory thing, which that doesn't matter. What matters is he injects Booth with like a knockout thing to put him into the the tank. That way, he can fish through the memories to get the missing pieces of information. This could also <laughs> be an opportunity to show the scene that you're saying is missing as well. Yeah, him meeting eldest son. Right. But instead, we find out how he got tied in with May and how he, in like a very look like David Dunn in the trench coat, walking yeah, around right. oh, Miami, wow. Yeah, saunters up to like May's door and was like, hey, I know you. And she's like, I don't know you. Like, get out of here, you vagrant, you urchin. And <laughs> no, and then he reveals himself and he's all melted and burnt. And we find out why in a, in a little bit. But then we find out, like, the push and pull, the Baca addiction into give the give and play, quid per quo. Like, you're, I'll give you this, but I need you to do this for me.
0: Somewhere in this stealing of Booth's memories, we also come to realize that May has kidnapped the youngest son. So when that youngest son was missing, May was the one who kidnapped him. Now, you might think initially that that was the plan with Booth, to have her kidnap him so that they can kill the youngest son. Now, May's not going to kill the youngest son because that would just make this film entirely too dark.
1: Yeah, when does I'm, I'm looking where that happens actually?
0: Like time wise? Yeah, it's about one forty five ish.
1: Oh no, the the, the order of, of it.
0: Well, this is this is all when they are stealing the memories out of Booth when they when he's under and in the machine. This is when they're getting that from him. We start to see that. May never really loved Bannister and the whole thing was just a ruse to be able to get the whistle code (laughs) to open the safe so that they could steal Elsa's files of memories, therefore destroying the proof that there is an illegitimate heir to the Sylvan throne. Now, the biggest problem still remaining is the illegitimate heir is walking around on earth on two feet. Yeah. So we have to get rid of him, too. So May and Booth.
1: That's Booth's biggest slip-up is when they're on the dock there and she maces him and kicks him in the nuts and grabs the kid and they're off. He should be like, oh, God, like, (laughs) what what do I do now? Right.
0: So back to the idea of Booth, we're now realizing that this has been our focus bad guy of this movie, Mm -hmm. the chief antagonist. It just hasn't really seemed like it. One thing that we have neglected to mention throughout all of this, and I'm sure most of you are like, oh, my God, this sounds like a mess. It's a little bit better if you watch it. It's sort of hard to just get it through the narrative dialogue that we're doing. The movie is cut with intermittent flashback scenes that are trying to build the chemistry between the Jackman character, Bannister, and May, the Ferguson character. Most of that works. Here's the thing. Watched it twice now. Yeah. Those scenes of them together at a happier time when they were in love and mostly they weren't in love a lot, but then she finally ended up falling for him and the good woman or the bad woman went good and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. There needs to be a couple of clues in there that might cue him, not in a Kaiser Soze in the office, Chaz palmentary reveal moment, but where he starts to recall her memories and say, Oh, this and this, and this song. Like, he puts the pieces together that maybe he's been played. Mm-hmm. And that also would have worked really well, Jesse, because that plays up the tragedy of this man who is head over heels for this woman, and maybe she never gave a damn. So let's get to the big turning point in the film. <laughs> like, the the crisis moment in the film. Okay. <laughs> As Booth is under in the machine, yeah. one of the conversations that May has with Booth is a bit out of place, and it's talking about how much she truly cared about Booth in this dialogue dump. It's done better than a dialogue dump, but it's a dialogue dump that is actually the message that she's left in Booth's memories for Bannister When he recovers Booth's memories, he'll have the message from May that lets him know, I really did love you. I really wasn't this horrible woman. I really didn't leave you. He dosed me up with so much baka that I was going to OD, so I chose to jump off the side of a building, and I will love you forever.
1: And doesn't she reveal the... Location of the the kid. house in the middle of the ocean?
0: Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't bring that up, because that's (laughs) just one more stupid element to add. But yes, essentially the kid is stationed at some house in the middle of the ocean, which in Miami that's been submerged would make sense. Um, yes. So there's, that's where the, the kid, the illegitimate heir to the throne has been sequestered yeah, away yeah. by the, I'm going to do some good me.
1: I guess I kind of liked the reveal. I mean, the backstabbing because a femme fatale would do that. Yeah. She would have like a quick one on you at the last second. Exactly. And then the Sam Spade of it all will just realize, Oh God, I've been played for a fool this entire time. And he kind of has that moment. Mm-hmm. And we get to see Jackman kind of like act out a little bit where he's just like, oh, you did this to me. He's like, I'm going to make you remember your worst day. And it's like he like plays like on like the frequency to like an 11, the day he was like singed and burnt
0: to a crisp. Yeah, so Booth's payment for all of the things he's done wrong to May and to Bannister Mm -hmm. is Bannister puts him under and just forces that brain-melting moment in the memories to go over, and over, just traps him in his own memory forever, living this hellish day. Kills him, right? Yeah. yeah. Which then makes him a murderer. <laughs> Final strange point in this film. Bannister is now a murderer. He has had a moment with Watts where they've at least mended some fences and are on speaking terms. And Bannister's punishment for murdering Watts— no, sorry, murdering Booth— is that he gets to put himself in the machine and live through the Eurydice and, oh, who's the other one? Um, I'll look it up in a minute. That It's that myth, the Eurydice myth, where you can't look back or you're stuck in hell, whatever. The, uh, I want to say it's not Oedipus. You're, uh, ugh, I'll it's, look it up. It's
1: not Oedipus.
0: It's, it's something close to that. But
1: he's burned by St. Joe's men because he was skimming prophets. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, so Booth is burned by St. John's men because he was skimming prophets. Okay, that's, here's, okay, so, but Bannister's still a murderer. Yeah. And I guess the cops are allowing him to put himself under and live for the rest of his days in one of the pleasant memories with May where they're holding hands and- Oh, at the end, yeah. Telling a story about this Greek myth that I can't remember right now. I'm going to look it up while it's making me mad. Go ahead. So we're kind of wrapping things up here. Jesus, so are we? Okay, yeah.
1: He goes back to uh, Walter Sylvan's uh, land mansion, confronts the docile wife Orpheus and Eurydice. Oh, there you go. Confronts the docile wife, and then that's when we see the son, mm-hmm. and that's when he kind of reveals. He's always like, he's like, you're the legitimate heir, but you're not the legitimate heir, or you're not the only one. You're gonna have to split it with your half brother. What? Oh. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: So you're mad about not getting a hundred million, but you're still getting 48 million. Like it's probably billion. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's probably a lot of money, Mm -hmm. but this guy had this, this kid had this like plan to hire, kill off, kill kid or kidnap him. I would kill him. Probably kill him. Find the evidence, erase it. And (laughs) it's it's just everything that happens in between just gets so in the weeds with the details. But it's this final confrontation and this kid is just pissed. He just yeah. he gets the gun, and he's like, I'm well I'm I'm gonna shoot he's like, You gonna shoot me, kid? And then the kid's gonna shoot himself. And then he just doesn't. Cause his mom's able to talk him out of it. Oh. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah. When you take all of this nonsense that we've spoken about and get down to what the core belief in this film is, here is, or the core story, it's really simple. It's woman is hired to steal the proof that there is a possible rival to the throne of a wealthy estate. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. That gets back to the Chinatown piece that I spoke about earlier. Now, nowhere in this does it have the she's my daughter and my sister great moment that Chinatown has. But this does have a John Huston-like feel in that film to Faye Dunaway and what's going to happen and who's going to take over when I'm gone. I almost set the twist now, but we'll save that one. That could be a fun film to talk about. It would be fun. Yeah. So I don't think that needs to be Super complex. She's hired to steal something. Yeah. But then if you're hired to steal something, when Bannister uncovers it, whether it's by hook or crook or seduction or fatal moment, and usually for most of these femme fatales, they have the moment where the man they were trying to screw over, they end up really falling for. They end up do loving this, this terrible detective, Sam Spade, Philip Marlowe type guy happens again in this.
1: Some of them do die too.
0: Yeah, they do. In this moment where she realizes she truly does care about Bannister, that's when she needs to say, it wasn't me or this booth guy that you were chasing. It was this guy. And then we go after that brother that tried to have illegitimate brother killed. That's a simple story. Well, it's pretty simple. That's that's not that complex. Yeah. And that is what this is. Yeah, This is just filled with all of these contrivances and time jumps and... um unnecessary characters that take up way too much time on screen for what they do. And I
1: think it could, it yeah. could, well, we're, we're kind of at the end of the film here. Uh, uh I think it could have all worked. It's just that the chase for Rebecca Ferguson wasn't as interesting as it could have been. Yeah. The land barren sun plot wasn't as interesting as that could have been. And then together it's just average or below average. So I think that's the problem. I mean, the roads to get there was so laborious that we were just like, yeah, I guess the work was worth it, but not quite.
0: You know, I mentioned that there were two big problems and I talked about the booth ever meeting the sun and yeah, where that relationship one. Yeah. And the second one for me was, and I'd like to compare it to mall in inception for you. Mm-hmm. In inception, DiCaprio's character is really troubled by the loss of his wife, Maul. In a sense, Jackman's character is also troubled by the loss of his, quotes wife, May. Mm-hmm. And so what this evolves into in this film is a really poor version of what they do in Inception. And that's every move that I make is influenced by the memory of my dead wife and this fateful night when she jumped out this window.
1: You know why it's so good in Inception? Because the that final in, Inception heist mm-hmm. is essentially therapy for DiCaprio's character. Yeah. And you see how unstable he is the whole time. That scene when the train just barrels down, that's where like, he did fake death for her while they were dreaming. Right. And it's a moment that just keeps showing up time and time again. So throughout that, he's able to close that book in that chapter mm-hmm. and move on. I don't know what the hell's going on here.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I still haven't pinpoint. Let me get to this. The, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess it's chemistry, Jesse.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I buy that DiCaprio and Courtyard are this couple that was crazy about each other but troubled through some series of misfortunate events. I never actually bought that Jackman and Ferguson were a couple in this. And I'm also going to say it's even worse because if you take the six scenes that Cotyard is in in Inception and mm-hmm. what she's able to do with the 20 plus that Ferguson is in in this. And this is not a statement on acting chops because Maren Cotillard is a talented actress and I don't think it's fair to compare her to Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. But if you have more scenes, thus more time on screen, and you do less with it, it's a very, very monumental miss that I care less about the two of them as a couple than I do with just a touch of Maul. That's yard. Mm-hmm and DiCaprio's character in Inception, and that's really troubling as the second point because that's what I wanted this film to be, and that's how this film was advertised. Sure,
1: yeah.
0: It's HBO Max just dumping it off,
1: (laughs) continuing their year of 2021.
0: I have a question that I've been dying all week to ask you. Okay, yeah. If it wasn't for streaming and releasing immediately, tell me the month that Reminiscence... In any normal non COVID theater year, would this film be released in January? <laughs> I said late <laughs> January, early February. February yeah.
1: Right. It's, that, it's the serenity of it all.
0: It is. This is, we don't really have anything else this week. And this has a couple of names in it. So let's put it out.
1: And people might go see it yeah. because of that.
0: Did you know that this film only was $10 million to make? Oh, wow. Super cheap. And as of today, when I looked, it hadn't surpassed the $10 million mark yet.
1: You see, in H- So it's
0: hard to say it's a huge miss because it wasn't a huge budget.
1: And it's hard to see too because HBO, they don't really disclose like right. what the profit share is for their films and their streaming subscribers. So
0: there's been some, um, before, let's do one quick thing about this and we'll come back to finishing the film because there was two pretty interesting moments that happened in the last couple weeks about the streaming thing that I think sort of piggybacks on the conversation we had some months ago. Okay. Should Patty Jenkins said about Wonder Woman 84 this week? No. What? That she was, <laughs> that
1: it was terrible. <laughs>
0: heartbroken. And if she had anything to do over again, there was no way in the world that she would ever let Warner Brothers, a.k.a. streaming service, release that film the way they did. She came out and said, my movies are done in a way where they are suited for the big screen.
1: First of all, that's, wow. not, why, that's not why that movie's bad. That movie's bad
0: because it's bad. bad. <laughs> it's, it's the nothing. big screen wouldn't have saved that. No, yeah, What, the cheetah swimming would have looked better on the big screen, Jesse?
1: Oh, fuck no. (laughs) Fucking wishing rocks and stuff in the big (laughs) IMAX format? No, that on the TV was already terrible enough. No, that's not why that's bad. That was a terrible movie. It was not well put together.
0: So we talked about what was going to happen to the production studios and directors and actors and actresses when this happened, and then we got the Scarlett Johansson bit, right? Yeah. So... Look, for everybody that doesn't know the quick version of this, she's not happy with the way that film was released and distributed and basically how she got screwed because she gave up some salary for executive producer credit, which ties directly into box office gate because it wasn't released big screen box office and it was released also on the small screen. There's no gate. She got upset. She filed a couple lawsuits against Disney and Marvel and they fucking fired her. She's already been picked up by Disney to play, I don't know, Catwoman or whatever she's going to play over there. (laughs) And I like Scarlett Johansson just fine, so I'm by no means. Oh, yeah. However, what's really interesting, and I think where her case starts to take some legs and maybe has some footing, we'll see, is the same considerations were not taken into account with Mr. Dwayne Johnson and The Rock. Oh, for Jungle Cruise? His deal's entirely different. So now we're talking about a whole lot of issues when it comes to, well, is it male, female, and where this is going to go.
1: What it could boil down to, and it the, the the Johansson lawsuit could, in our theater viewing favor, could work for us because hmm. it could prove that these, fuck, we don't want to have to deal with lawsuits from actors because they're bitching about back end points because it wasn't released properly. Yeah, We're just going to release it in the theater. And then we'll be right back where we started, where we
0: want to be. Sometimes and, I think you and I share the exact same brain.
1: No, yeah, yeah. So like, I think I think that could actually work out in its favor, but like, that's
0: what that's what I was going to say is after what happened with Johansson and what Jenkins said is maybe we're getting what you and I selfishly hoped is that we get this big screen survival.
1: <laughs> and Denny Villanueva had significant pushback for Dune's release as well. So, and then just the other studios have just uh, like Universal Halloween Kills and. Uh, like Paramount and them, they've just been like, we're not releasing our movies on the streaming. We're doing theaters, and then they'll go there eventually. So be patient. So, yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll be, we'll be fine in the end. But mm-hmm. what this is evident of is just the dumping ground that is Warner Brothers Pictures in twenty twenty
0: one. Chalk another one up on the on the thing here. So, do, have- do we need to talk about the end of the movie? No, we're done. <laughs> What else is there? I mean, he's stuck in the in the time loop of memories with him and and what's her name? Yeah. May. He dies evidently in the deprivation
1: tank, growing old, old crusty, just living out the memories, which was a danger that was alluded to us by Watts saying, if you stay in there too long, you'll just become that, be that. Yeah. And she comes and gives some flowers to his little tomb. <laughs> and she's like 80, and then her daughter's, and there was like a whole daughter's subplot thing with her. That she abandoned her child yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Because she drank too much. Yeah. And that's why Jackman was angry at her, because she was drinking if, in Girls' Night. If we needed any. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so th- then the film ends. Mercifully. <laughs> but did you want to talk about the dumping ground?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm i curious on this. Okay. I want your answer, and then I, I just want to discuss, too. Okay. Is it just bad luck? Okay on Warner Brothers, or for Warner Brothers, that everything that they did this year was just this bad, except maybe for anything that they bumped back to a big screen release, which would be, what, Dune? Because... That's, that's the hope. <laughs> all of their films that they've put out suck. Have been shit. Have been shit.
1: We, don't even, we haven't even talked off mic. We talked about... That Jared Leto, Denzel Washington, Little Things movie that's mm-hmm. atrocious and doesn't have an ending.
0: No, right. They just <laughs> got tired of telling the film.
1: It just ends. Yeah. That was like the one of the first ones. That, Wonder Woman, yep. uh, Snyder League. Well, that was kind of like a fan thing, but that was kind of garbage for mm-hmm. us too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Godzilla, Kong, yep. Space Jam. I told you Conjuring. was terrible. Oh, God. Yeah, Conjuring. This, you, weren't, you didn't like the Suicide Squad. No.
0: Uh, and now this one. We did you found the suicide squad stomachable Yeah
1: I found it moderately palatable you were pretty you were pretty intense on it but yeah you're right the whole
0: slew is just yeah So yeah. did they take a step back when this happened and look at it and say we have a bad year Let's put all of this stuff out and at least we'll recoup some revenue on the monthly HBO subscription deal that we've cut because no one is going to go see these films in the theater, because whoever came up with that slate of production...
1: Should be fired. Gone. Yeah, all those people.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we're not talking about Morgan Creek, or Working Rights, or Miramax. We're talking about one of the war horses of entertainment.
1: One of the oldest studios. Warner
0: Brothers. You've probably heard of them. Managed to put together this slate of garbage. I did not see... (laughs) Saints of Newark, yet the Gandolfini um, story, yet but I wasn't a Sopranos guy, so I don't know if it would play well. That might be okay, but everything that we've covered on HBO Max, I mean it, was not good. I think the best we could give any of those might be Call, and that might be ooh, Godzilla Kong, yeah, maybe Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. <laughs>
1: Um, so do you
0: think it's just bad luck or do you think it's his planned obsolescence I think
1: it was bad luck I think they wanted these movies to be pretty good and they just did not deliver in the slightest even in a non-COVID year this would just be a terrible year uh, books wise for them yeah Um, this kind of maybe turned into the best advertisement for their streaming service. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm okay with that because yeah. I really dig HBO max. I mean, they're I'm still, their film selection is dynamite. Mm-hmm. If you're not, if you haven't subscribed yet, do it for that alone. Cause they have the best selection of movies on any of the streaming services. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're the buy-ins, Hey, you could watch conjuring here uh, on your house when it comes out. Yeah. I'll sign up for that. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's bad luck, good advertisement. And just a dumping ground. And they better figure it out for next year. Because I hope that the, the Batman isn't in the same camp with this. And I really hope Dune is the saving grace of this
0: whole shit show. There's hope. Because both of those got bumped back. Mm-hmm. And Batman really got bumped back. When is that coming now? March. This March. Yeah. Next March. It's coming March. March
1: 2022. Yeah, Yeah. So we'll see. We we mm-hmm. shall see. Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting month, Mark. Oh,
1: you know what else is coming out this year? Because uh, the the other big thing, and we'll I got some questions for you. Okay. And then, uh, CinemaCon was the big thing this week, so they mm-hmm. unveiled the new Spider-Man uh, footage and trailer.
0: But uh, i can which, check it out. It's pretty cool. Yeah, we're
1: going That's gonna be a whole thing. We're gonna get into in December. Yeah, we're gonna spend the month with Spider-Man in December. Nice. Um, Matrix 4, I think they they announced it's called The Matrix Resurrections. Yeah. Uh, That's coming out, I think, in November uh, to HBO Max and in theaters as well. So there's a few big things on the horizon that we haven't even kind of touched yet. So we'll see.
0: We started rewatching the first Matrix last night. I like that first one. I do too.
1: It's only in the second one when they spend 40 minutes with the architect that I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, Yeah. Bore City. Mm Mm-hmm. The Merovingian, Merovingian's wife's pretty hot though, isn't she?
0: We both like Monica Bellucci. Is she a better Merovingian wife or is she a better vampire?
1: Oh, goodness. Uh, Matrix reloaded. I do like that freeway bit, but no, the first one is what it is. Yeah. Um, But we'll see. I think there's a lot left to to discuss and talk about before we put our judgment at the end of December on the success or failure. But man, big failure so far. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it's the
0: seventh inning, man. There's a couple innings left, but we're getting close.
1: Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Has Disney been doing it a little bit better? I mean, you liked Cruella, and Jungle Cruz was what it was. And better Black, than this. Black Widow was a little bit all right, too, compared yeah. to the, some of these films. So I think they've been doing a little bit better. Yes. I don't know. Loki and Winter Soldier just left us high and dry, though. Right. What was your favorite tasting note of Reminiscence? <sighs>
0: I loved her introduction.
1: I thought that was good. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that, that was when I was on board with the film.
0: I had harkens back to Dietrichson, Stan Dietrichsen, Dietrichson, and that whole, I hope there are no pigeons where you're sunbathing. And that introduction to her or with her was my favorite part in the moment. And I really thought we had something. I recently listened to,
1: we don't do this often, but you know, we talk about some other podcasts and stuff. And this is a big podcast. It's called unspooled mm-hmm. and it's a, uh, Paul Scheer and Amy Nicholson and their actors and whatnot. And they did double indemnity. And I listened to the episode. There's an anecdote in there that they mentioned. I can't wait to go back and watch that. No one dumps their cigarette butts into ashtrays. They just dump them out on the floor in every mm. scene. And I'm like, I got to go back and check that out. Cause like, what a detail to, to add to that. Wow. But that was a pretty good episode uh, talking about that. It reminded me of when we, when we did it. So good <laughs> to, to that. Minds that fight that between him and uh, uh, Booth. And between him and Booth, uh, he smashes him on a piano and mm. then he like drowns and submerges. I thought that was pretty well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh boy, I cannot wait for this, but what's the oh
0: my God!
1: moment of reminiscence?
0: Well, I thought it was going to really play to something that had more significance in the film, but I was really puzzled at first when I watched Elsa climb into bed with that really crusty old man. And I thought, oh, they never
1: ah. show her face, right? Uh, that was yeah.
0: And I thought, what in the world is happening here? Um, I, oh my god, because I thought I was really locked and loaded for something that was going to be powerful and explosive. Uh, failure to launch would be the way that it played out, but that moment really spun me out a bit. Strange, but that's what it was. How about you?
1: Mine's the. I don't think it's a moment. I think it's just the whole consensus convergence of land city mm-hmm. widow illegitimate son real son cliff curtis may and what that represents is just such a mess. Like that would that's something that I just can't believe like made it to the screen in its form. And I was just like I think I got I got it but I I guess I kind of didn't get it. I just couldn't believe it got as confusing as it needed to get. And film noirs can be confusing, but this was just like, what the hell? And just so neatly kind of wheels its way back to Jackman, you know what I mean? Yeah. On a platter almost. That's mine. Yeah. Who's the master distiller of reminiscence? Oh gosh.
0: <laughs> I guess Ferguson. Okay. Um she was worth watching. Yeah. And Do you wish she was in it more? Because she kind of disappears from the movie, too. Yeah, man. I'm dying for that. And they've, they've cast it right the last two times, whether it's Hathaway. Because I think that is a cool <laughs> opportunity. Didn't play. But I thought that could have been a cool opportunity to see her play villainous. Oh, that
1: movie didn't play. <laughs>
0: yeah, <no. laughs> and then now with this. And they both ended up missing. Uh, but... Uh, I don't know. You'll, get, it, you'll get her again in Dune, so... She's coming. Yeah. So I guess I'll go there. It could... I bet you'll take the other one I was thinking about. Yeah, I'll Go probably ahead. take Hugh Jackman. Yeah. He's he's, he's not pretty, terrible. No, this movie's not his this movie is not bad because of him.
1: I don't think it's bad because of acting. It's just bad because of like what the hell's going on here. Right. Uh but what he's doing. I, I, I yeah. wonder I wonder that sometimes. I wonder as actors, when you're given a script by your age and you read it and you're like, Yeah, this sounds pretty good. Like how much do they even understand? Mm-hmm. And then when the, or do they just say, you know what, I'll just do this scene by scene and I'll just give it my all. And you know what I mean? Like, is there a point where they don't even know what's going on?
0: I guess that's a question. Okay, so $10 million.
1: Pattinson said that for 10 and he was like, I didn't know what was going on in this movie.
0: (laughs) No shit, really. did. You play Bewildered then. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Is Jackman A-list talent, Jesse? I think so. Do you? Yeah. Okay. I think he can have some
1: misstep. This is a bit of a misstep, but. The Wolverine stuff put him in such a, like a high thing, and then some of these other film, the Greatest Showmen, Prisoners, these other film, the Prestige, kind of have him in a thing. Um, but he's very, I think, selective about some of the roles he does. He does do some musicals and then some like action things, but I, I, I think so. Okay. I think he can put buds in seats.
0: Okay, I think I probably would agree with that in
1: the right role. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it'll it clicks when it, everything is just how it should be. Okay. Uh, how are you going to rate and grade? Reminiscence. We have Rocket, Well, Call, Single Barrel, and Top
0: Shelf. It's Well. Really well acted, Well. Yeah. It had a few moments, and the first act had promise. There's problems with the other two. So two out of three, that's kind of not a home run.
1: Yeah, no, that's not amazing.
0: So... Like I said, I did watch it twice, and it didn't get worse the second time. It ironed out some of the questions that I had and left me with a few more, but I didn't leave the second time like, Jesus, I'm going to set myself on fire. Yeah. So that's good. Well, just well.
1: I think I'm going to be well minus. I think I was well minus last week too. Man, you need a win here, bud. I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe it's coming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is. It is coming for sure. But great concept. I love the the mechanism. I want to know more about that. I feel like the film should have just been about people going and buying and then it turns into a greed machine and yeah. then ad- addiction story versus like this kidnapping, okay. finding lost loves. It could have you could have done that the other way because mm-hmm. then it's more total recall. But then like you get that you get why you would get addicted to a future technology that's able to do a pretty cool thing. Have you live out memories? Yeah. Well acted. I think it's visually pretty incredible, but it's just so messy on the story front. And that's kind of like where it kills me. So uh, yeah, well minus it's, I never did. I feel it was reaching like serenity that moment where literally we jump two sharks and then the sharks fall down on top of us after we (laughs) jump them. It never happened. That moment didn't happen, but I was confused. I was perplexed. I was frustrated and then when it was over, I was just like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> we're going to talk about it on Saturday, so there's there's that. But yeah. I wanted this to be a winner. As much as you did, I wanted it to. So. Yeah. Uh, maybe we're going to talk about it here in the nightcap, but your film noir, Poor Soul, is just it's just another blow dealt to someone trying to hand it that genre again.
0: Yeah, sadly. It's a great segue into the nightcap. All right, let's do let's it. Let's do it. All righty, go ahead. The title of tonight's nightcap is Genre Killers. <laughs> so what I gave you was a single selection that you could make okay. that did irreparable harm to a specific genre. Okay. Now, I'm going to give one example because maybe people are like, this is a weird question. Sure, yeah. Because I know you didn't choose this one. Okay. I would say what Cleopatra did to the epic mm-hmm. took decades to recover. So we're looking at movies that did terrible, terrible harm. What
1: was the next big film epic after that? Was it Braveheart? It might have been. Dances with Wolves? Something around that time?
0: Yeah, Dances with Wolves. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Because then you had kind of a resurgence of that. You had like Gladiator and like, yeah, they kind of came back a bit. Mm
0: -hmm. And then they evolved into Sword and Sandals. But we're talking about successes (laughs) and this is anything but those. So you get A a film from a genre and tell me... Why you think it wrecked the genre? Oh, it would
1: be a film that kills a whole genre. Oh, my goodness. Pup.
0: Um,
1: There's a few. There's a few. I, you don't have mine, so I'm not worried about us. You may go
0: first then? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, you already prefaced it. You kind of teased it out there a little bit. The reason that I chose this category is it got me thinking about film noir. Mm-hmm. This is as dead as dead can be, and I know you know where I'm going already. If we go back to at the height of their powers, these five names that resulted in a colossal, critical, and financial disaster. Any hope that the 90s had spawned into film noir, whether it be neo or procedural, ended with this film. In 1990, this is not the film, but in 1990, when LA Confidential came out, we saw a rise in that type of movie. And that decade is, for all the reasons you and I like it, the gun and the girl in different ways, and whether that's Memento, Basic Instinct, Basic Instinct, Seven. I would even say Sliver,
1: <laughs> oh, <it's a> Sliver, <laughs> Kiss the Girls. Sure,
0: yeah. All of and some of those are better than the others, but all of those are much better than what we saw today. Mm-hmm. We've hoped twice on the show that maybe we'd found the ember that relit yeah. the torch of film noir. No, <laughs> no, it's still buried deep within the uh, recesses of Mrs. But the five names are as follows: okay. Aaron Eckhart, yep, Josh Hartnett, mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson, Hilary Swank, and Mr. Brian De Palma. <laughs> in what is the most famous unsolved criminal procedural case in modern history? This is the Black Dahlia.
1: We're gonna <sighs> we're gonna do that movie one day, just to kind of get into the weeds on why it didn't work and why it went so south.
0: When I mentioned those five names, a lot of people might be like, well, those really aren't good actors, Matt. Today, they're not. But back when that film came out, they were. Yeah, Those were big. Was that 97? No. Not 2002? 2002, yeah.
1: yeah. Early 2000s, yeah.
0: So we're a little bit past the 90s thing, but it still had some legs. And those five people at the time were at the top of their game. You could argue De Palma was maybe winning a bit, but still a huge name in the Hollywood industry. Yeah. And then you take The Black Dahlia Murders and that has had everything from video game connotations to record albums. Everyone knows about the grisly, gruesome effects of The Black Dahlia. And you turn it into a movie with those names and it absolutely dies. (laughs) And I would argue that for a franchise that was already in a little bit of trouble. But Mm -hmm. seeing some resurgence just reimagined, that undid it all and literally derailed that franchise for a Decade, if not longer.
1: I can't remember the quality of the film. That'd be interesting to revisit to see if it's entirely terrible or whatnot. But I think was it was they just spent too much on it, mm-hmm. and it just didn't recoup. Yep. So they just said, we can't make that type of mistake again.
0: Oh, we mentioned this one. We just mentioned Cleopatra. And maybe with yours, maybe we have John, the cask of genre killers.
1: Mine's not a financial killer because it was this. actually profitable. It was actually... Uh, Image killer, uh, Matt. You know I love the slasher film. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite subgenres, just because they're so cheesy and fun, and I love the locations. But there's one like it was on a high in '84, and this one film killed it all. Huh. And it's Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh. You'll remember the trailer. It's Santa going down the chimney, and he's got a bloody axe in the other hand. And the parents and people flipped their shit that this was being advertised about a killer Santa and it killed the film. It killed the genre, any momentum. They called that the golden era Hmm. because you had stuff like the burning and prom night and all the Halloween and Friday sequels were coming out there. And actually this is the best bit of trivia nightmare. on Elm street and silent night, deadly night actually came out on the same day and silent night, deadly night actually did better at the box office. But the backlash, they pulled it after two weeks. Mm. And I think after that, studios were just like, well, we're just, we can't do this same movie anymore and no one wants it anymore. So it just petered out, petered petered out, petered out. And Scream kind of brought it back for a late 90s resurgence. I know you, Urban Legend, I know what you did last summer. Yeah, And then it's dead again, you know what I mean? We went into like a weird, gross remake strain that I hated. Yeah, That turned into torture porn. So I don't even know what the slasher looks like right now, but it's it's this these reimagined sequels that's Halloween Kills and um, Candyman and whatnot. But that sole film killed any momentum that they had. Wow, think about it: a slasher that's made for one that's able to make twenty two by the end of its run is a profit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you just keep doing it. Mm. But yeah, there's a lot that's been written about about that soul film and the re- gut reaction to it and it was just you can't do santa as a murderer wow that's good when i hadn't thought about that and that movie's a lot of fun like it's not a amazing piece of filmmaking but you have a good time while you're watching it it's mm-hmm. so huh maybe for feeling horror for christmas one of these years again we'll whip <laughs> that one out you're but getting. yeah that, that that one that one's mine i thought a lot about heaven's gate in the western yeah cleopatra and the epic of course
0: uh Waterworld science fiction. Yeah,
1: Waterworld science, 200 million science fiction yeah. opuses. Yeah, there's a lot we could have picked from that just totally just pumped the brakes. Mm-hmm. I tried to kind of think of like a musical one, but that one, that's such a weird genre because it it's there, disappears, shows up, disappears. You know what I mean? So, like, I, it's hard to call that dead because it'll pop up again. So, great choices. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. We haven't talked about the Black Dahlia ever on this podcast. No. <laughs> Or De Palma, you know what I mean? Mm. I told you I watched Snake Eyes again recently. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to bring him up again so we can talk about just the failures of De Palma. Mm. And then there's still a bunch of good movies in there that we haven't talked about with him. Yeah. But we got one more film left in this cast to kind of catch up with 2021. Uh, And it's another big one. Big film release. Marvel Studios. The MCU's continuing on post-Endgame. And this, Matt, we should get some answers on what the hell's happening post-Endgame. Because Black Widow was like a prequel. We're going to do Shang-Chi and mm-hmm. the Legend of the Ten Rings. Mm-hmm. This this should be a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm mainly looking forward to it because I know a teensy bit about the character. I like that they're going to get into the Ten Rings, mm-hmm. which was the gang that abducted Tony Stark in the first Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Are we going to get a real Mandarin reveal in this? Supposedly. I And, and I like that it's going to be like a Kung Fu-esque mm-hmm. thing. It's going to be different. So yeah. I don't like that it's
0: Marvel because we...
1: they're everywhere but i like that it's a different path that they a character that they've never done before
0: i agree with everything you said here's the one thing that troubles me a bit Mm. it's aquafina she has the steal every scene that i'm in bug the shit out of everyone jar jar binks effect she's hateable okay let's hope not all right i
1: don't have that that same affinity but I i know what you mean But let's see. Let's see if they can introduce a new character that can have some staying power uh, in the years to come. Yeah, let's hope. Excellent. Well, cheers to you. Cheers to you. Again, hit us up on any of the socials or productions at gmail.com. But I got to get going. I'm going to go get in my memory deprivation tank, and I'm probably just going to just undo this movie.
0: (laughs) Oh, rework it in your mind and remember what you thought it was going to be when the trailer came out. Yeah,
1: Or I'll just rework it and rewrite it so it's not that movie.
0: I can't do any better than that. I'm just going to leave that one alone. Excellent. We'll see you all next week. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark.
1: Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. For more Rye Smile content, go to patreon.com slash rye smile films for exclusive bonus episodes. Plus feature length watch along commentaries on your favorite movies and TV show recap episodes covering the best from the small screen. For Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. Reminiscence is property of Warner Brothers Pictures, Film Nation Entertainment, Kilter Films, and Michael DeLuca Productions, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time,
0: cheers. No such thing as a happy ending. No endings are sad, especially if the story was happy. And tell
1: me a happy story, but end it in the middle.